Thank you, Catherine, for that beautiful offering to the Lord. Ancient words. We are living in anxious times, and we are blessed that we have ancient words. One of those words is sovereignty. And uh, I pray that today as we look at this term, the sovereignty of God, that we will see and hear the Lord speak to us in a fresh way. If you will, take your Bible and turn to the book of Colossians in chapter 1. And we hear the ancient word of Scripture speak about the sovereignty of God from Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. Um, I am so glad to see you. So many more of you are coming and being courageous and coming on to church, and uh, it's so encouraging to see you. And if you feel comfortable to pull your mask down while the preacher's preaching, you're welcome to do that. Uh, if you choose not to, that's fine too. Just don't cough on each other, okay? Just don't ca cough on each other. I want to give a shout-out today to Mike Cummins. If you have not uh, noticed the new Welcome Center that we have, it is absolutely be be beautiful. When I c come by that Welcome Center, I feel like I'm checking into a, a resort. I mean, I really do. I, this is a high-class resort, and I just want to check in and see what's there. But uh, give, a, give Mike a hand. Thank you, Mike, for building that. It's very attractive. And if, if we can just get Anastasia to stand there with a, a Hawaiian flower in her ear, that would make it even better. In Colossians chapter 1, we move from creation, which was last Sunday's topic, to the sovereignty of God in that God created all there is. It all belongs to Him. It's His. It's not mine. It's His. And whatever God has created, that includes you and me, I belong to the Lord. And I thank God that I'm not in charge. Uh, the source of our anxiety today is that we think we are in charge. That's why we're anxious. And we're going to deal with that. And I pray the outcome of this message will be that you find comfort in releasing or surrendering, if you will, the one who wants to control your life for the best possible outcome that you might live with him in, for, in heaven forever and ever. That's the best possible outcome. That you will surrender your life to him and trust him and walk with him and be a faithful disciple of the only one who can give you eternal life. And that is Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, Paul writes, For by him, that is Jesus, all things were created. That was our message last Sunday, and so we're going to move from that speaking about the sovereign Christ. The sovereign Christ. All things were created by him, both in the heavens and on earth, that which is visible as well as invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities, all things have been, been created by him and for him. And because he is the creator, verse 17, he is above all things. And in him, all things hold together. Christ is the glue that holds creation together. And we are in his hands. He's also the head of the body, the church. Thank God I'm not. 
in the most ancient days of my ministry, I thought I was in charge of the church, Scott. And because of that, I lost a lot of sleep. And then God taught me the hard way, I'm not in charge of the church. He is. And I give thanks to God today for that. Because when I'm in charge of the church, we don't do very well. But when Jesus is in charge of the church, wonderful things happen. Miraculous things happen. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. Christ was the first to be raised from the dead. I will be raised from the dead just like Jesus was with a resurrection body just like Jesus had. This is a spiritual body, not a natural body. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Another reason to rejoice that Christ is sovereign Lord over death and life. For it was by the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. Now, if there was a passage of Scripture that was the keynote passage for the book of Colossians, this is it right here. This one verse is what all of Colossians is all about. The fullness of God dwelt in Christ. He not only is the creator of heaven and earth, he is also the giver of eternal life because the fullness of God dwelt in bodily form in Jesus Christ. He was fully human and he was fully God. Now that's beyond my comprehension. But um, if, if you can explain everything about God, which is why the, the series is a little misleading. I, I've been using the phrase all about God. I really can't tell you all about God. But it is all about God. And what is all about God is Jesus, God with us. I think a better phrase to use would be this one. The with God life. We are really talking about the with God life. And when we walk with God and God walks with us, we live in this supernatural hope and a mystery that's much greater than our comprehension. And the good news is we have all of eternity to enjoy Him. Verse 20 says, Through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether things on heaven are in things that are in the earth. And here's the secret of creation. God is creating anew, a new heaven and a new earth. And God is not through creating. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. We will not live forever on this planet. We will abide in a new heaven and a new earth. We will have assignments. We will reign with Him in glory forever and forever. And one of the things we will do will be creativity. Because that is how we are created in the image of God. God who creates and we create. And no other creature can do that. So we participate God, with God in that way. Although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, and you were engaged in evil deeds, and yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him in holiness and blameless and beyond reproach. Thank God Jesus is sovereign Lord. Because Jesus is sovereign Lord, I have been redeemed. I have been restored. I have been reconciled to God through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying in that verse. 
because Jesus is sovereign and Jesus is Lord. There's a lot to get excited about when talking about the sovereignty of God. And when Baptists get together, we argue about the sovereignty of God. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But there's nothing to argue about. There's a truth here. There's an ancient word, as Catherine sang of just a moment ago so beautifully. There's an ancient word here that should bring joy and refreshing to our soul. That Jesus is sovereign and Jesus is Lord. And because of him, I am reconciled through his death, burial, and resurrection. That's the gospel. And it's the gospel of Christ that has transformed my life for eternity. Verse 23. If indeed, you continually, uh, if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast. So the demand is that I continue to believe and continue to allow Jesus to be Lord of my life. Now I want to ask you this question. I'm going to ask it now. I'm going to ask it again at the end of the uh, message. God willing. Here's the question. I want you to be real honest. Who's in charge of your life? Who's in charge of your life? If you have surrendered to Christ and allowed him to be Lord of your life, he is sovereign over your life. If you've not let Jesus have control of your life and surrendered your life to him, you have much to worry about. You have much to be anxious about. But if Jesus is truly in charge of your life, you have much to rest about. And you can go to sleep. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus said. Get... Get bound to me. Get locked into me. When you take, them, take on the yoke of Jesus, uh, you're, you're side by side. This is the with God life. You, you take on the yoke of Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Don't be anxious. You don't need to be anxious when I'm with you and you're with me. Be firmly established and steadfast, not moving away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard and was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. And that's like Paul said, yippee, I get to preach the gospel. I get to tell people about Jesus. I get to talk about sovereignty of God, which he does quite well in the book of Romans. So let's define the sovereignty of God. What is a good definition of the sovereignty of God? First, let me give you this il illustration. Now, throughout Christian history, uh, the history of the church, we have debated what the sovereignty of God is. And it usually eri arises out of the issue of suffering. Usually we've encountered some kind of uh, painful adversity, some kind of um, difficult challenge, and it doesn't make sense to us. Like the COVID-19. This thing just doesn't make sense. But here it is. And if God is sovereign, we ask, if God is truly in control of the world, why doesn't he do as we imagine God should do? If we were in charge, if we were running the world, we'd get rid of COVID, wouldn't we? Well, the problem is I'm not running the world. 
I'm not running the world. And so we're having to deal with COVID. Now, if God is sovereign, like I think sovereignty ought to be, why are we having to deal with COVID-19 and people are dying from it? And so we have on one rope or strand that we hold on to that we attribute to God that he is sovereign and in control and accountable to us. Somehow God is in control and, and God has to give an account. And on the other cord that we hang on to uh, is this thing called uh, free will. If God's in charge, how can there be free will? And if there's free will, how can God be in charge? You see, we grab on one rope or we grab on the other rope. Now, if you had a rope hanging from the ceiling here on a um, pulley and you're trying to get to the top of the ceiling so that you can understand more about God, if you grab on just one of those ropes, you think you're going to get very far up there? No, you're not going to get very far. You have to hold on to both of those. And as you hold on to both of those, you begin to ascend to a little better understanding. It's really both and. There are many things about God that if we just hold on to one rope, we don't quite comprehend fully. But this ambiguity that we live in is the world that God created. We don't understand all about God. And if, if somebody... If you meet somebody that does understand all about God, they're not going to do you much good. They're just not much help. You know, you ever get into a dilemma and somebody comes along and says, well, for example, I, I told somebody yesterday, I said, I lost a lot of sleep for about two or three years, anxious because uh, I thought I was in charge of the church. And he said, well, you know, it says there in Philippians chapter 4, just turn it over to the Lord and the Lord will take care of it. Right. I preach that all the time. But I had a hard time doing it. He said, well, that's just what you do. I said, well, I understand that, but how do I do that? What steps do I take to release my anxiety to the Lord and trust that he's taking charge? And that's what we're going to deal with today. That's what we're going to deal with. So it is true. That the Bible affirms the sovereignty of God, the Bible also affirms the responsibility of men and women, both. God is in control, and we are responsible too. We join with God in managing His creation. That's how this message ties in to last Sunday's message, in that God has created and He has invited us to be co-managers with him of this world. Now, we haven't done a very good job on our part. But God's doing a great job on his part. And when I repent of what I'm responsible for and have not held up my part of the bargain, my part of the covenant, if you will, with God, when I repent and I get back into managing my life and manning up, so to speak, and taking responsibility for my role and what I'm responsible for, I begin to grow up in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm with God, sharing in the responsibilities of life. Though I'm not in total control, I am accountable for me. 
God rules as Lord and sovereign over all of his creation. But he does not, hear this, God rules as Lord and sovereign over all his creation, but he does not micromanage what I'm responsible for. And there's the old story about the, um, the Baptists and the Calvinists both fall down the stair step. And when the Calvinists got to the bottom of the stair step, and fell, you know, fell down the stairwell, and when he got to the bottom, he said, oh, I'm glad that's over with. That's, it. that's the idea of the sovereignty of God. And the same Baptist fell down the same stairwell, and when he got to the bottom, he said, I'm learning from this that I need to be more careful. Which are you? Is everything in life so predetermined that you have no responsibility? And you're just hanging there till it's over? <laughs> what a way to live life. No, God invites you and me to be with Him and allow Him to be with us so that we take responsibility for what is our part. We don't take responsibility for what's somebody else's part. That's called overfunctioning. Overfunctioning. And when I overfunction, guess what? Somebody else is underfunctioning. Right? If I'm doing too much, Bill, you're not doing enough. If I could just be friends with you right here, right now. <laughs> And so, and so my part is to do my part. God's part is to do his part. And when I surrender to him and allow him to do his part, I am yoked with Christ and I find rest for my weary soul. Does that make sense? And a lot of us are getting into trouble and creating a lot of anxiety in relationships for ourselves because we are over-functioning for an under-functioner. We're trying to save the world all by ourselves. And if you're trying to save the world all by yourself, who needs the Holy Ghost? What's the role of the Holy Spirit? Have we not just voided the role of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction on people's hearts? Have we not voided the role of the Holy Spirit to bring transformation to the souls of all who follow Jesus Christ? So I need to resist trying to save the world all by myself. I need to bowl in my own lane and let the other fellow bowl in his lane and pray for him when, it's, when he bowls a gutter ball. You know. Does that help as we talk about the sovereignty of God? To know that I'm responsible, yes. God is responsible, yes. But I'm not responsible for what God's responsible for. I got enough to deal with without playing God. And when I quit playing God, God gets to be God. Isn't that wonderful? When I quit playing God, God gets to be a sovereign. God gets to rule. God gets to work. God gets the glory. God gets the honor. Isn't that wonderful? All of a sudden, my heart, which is a restless heart, rests in Him. Because now I can trust Him. You see, the reason we're anxious is we're not trusting the sovereignty of God. We're not partnering with a sovereign God. 
we're trying to do it all ourselves. And if you try to be all things to all people all the time, you're going to burn out every time. Thank you, Lord. Just made that up right there. Thank you. God can preach when I let him, can he? All right, let's talk about some of the distinctions of his sovereignty. God bless you, Richard. Number one, a distinction of God's sovereignty. This should be obvious by now. We won't dwell too much on it because we've already talked about it. God is God and I am not. Praise be to God. That's one of the distinctions of his sovereignty. It says demonstration there, but change that to distinction. God is God and I am not. Praise be to God. Now go back to sleep. Rest at night. Did you know that you have the right to rest? God created you with the need to sleep. Get some sleep. Let him run the world. And when you let him run the world, you can overcome all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of addictions, all kinds of anything. And I confess to you last Sunday I'm addicted to sugar. And uh, Lord knows whatever, all else. I'm, I was also at one time addicted to anxiety. Did you know that anxiety can be addictive? You, you can be that over-functioner that I was talking about a while ago, trying to save the world, trying to do it all by yourself. Why are you doing that? So you'll feel like you've done a good job. So you can feel like you're measuring up somebody else's expectations. Folks, is that worth living for? Is that worth, you know... The accolades of the people of the world, is that why you're living? If you are, you're going to disappoint yourself, you're going to disappoint the world, and you're going to live in this shame and embarrassment. And what God wants you to do is to live in freedom and peace and joy and love and gentleness and kindness and goodness and meekness. And what's the last one? What? Let's say it all together. Self-control. Now, not control of others. Huh? Control of my part. And that's letting God be God. So, God is God. I am not. What? Praise be to God. Say it with me. God is God. I am not. Praise be to God. Boy, isn't that liberating? Isn't that exciting? It is. Number two, a distinction of his sovereignty is he knows and sees all. None of us are hiding anything from God. We can put our mask on, maybe hide a smile or a frown from each other, but none of us can hide a thing from God. The Bible says in Psalm 139, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou dost know when I sit down and when I rise up. Thou dost understand my thoughts from afar. Thou dost scrutinize my path and my lying down and art intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there was a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, thou dost know it. And people are asking the question, why is it God speaking to me? Why is it God saying anything to me? Folks, God is speaking loudly and clearly all the time. God is speaking through his creation. 
God is speaking through His Word. God is speaking through the Holy Spirit. God is speaking through the hymns we sang. God is speaking through the prayers we pray. God is speaking all the time and in various ways, but supremely He has spoken to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. Now since God knows all about you, why are you anxious? There needs to be some reflection here and some repentance about the need to be in charge of the world. It is a great temptation. It is a great temptation. Uh, Eve fell to it. Uh, Adam fell to it. Um, sin entered into the world, and it has been a grave temptation ever since. God knows what you're thinking right now. He knows why you're anxious. And he wants to say to you, let me run the world. I'll take care of it. You go back to sleep. Not literally. We're not through with the sermon, so hang in there. A third distinction. One, God is God. I'm not. Praise be to God. Two, he knows and sees all. Three, God does as he pleases. And I'm glad for that. A lot of us don't like that because we have the picture that God is this flaming fire, which he is, that's trying to uh, devour the world and start all over with a new crop of humans. But the truth is, God is redeeming his people. And he's not throwing us away in order to start over with a new crop of sheep. What's a crop of sheep called? Herd? Flock. With a new flock. I knew that. With a new flock of sheep. I just couldn't think of it, I guess. God does as he pleases. And it pleases God that you and I are his sheep. It pleases God that we are his kids. And we enjoy him forever. He just wants to be your father, that's all. Now some of you didn't have a good father. Some of you were neglected by your parents. And it's very difficult for you to see God as a loving father. I understand that. I understand that. But sometime in your life, at some point in your life, you got to break through that barrier and step out and say, God, I trust you, that you love me, and that you're going to take care of me, and you're giving me good gifts. Lord, I trust your word when the Bible says, I ask of God what I want, or need rather, and the Lord doesn't give me what, I, what will hurt me. If I ask for a fish, he will not give me a what? What did Jesus say? Scorpion. Yeah. If I ask for a fish, God's not going to give me a scorpion. He's going to give me what I need. And so I trust him as father. Uh, distinction number four. Nothing, and I love this about the sovereignty of God. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. I remember first coming, when I first, we first came to Ekron, uh, y'all were sweating raising 35000 Look at where we are. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. Behold, you've made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. I can trust the God who can do anything. All things are possible with the Lord. 
Distinction number five, God rules over all, but he does not micromanage all. We are all accountable unto him for our mission, our assignment in life. And I hope and pray you could raise your hand and say, I know what my mission is, and I'm on mission with the Lord. I hope you can say that. Because if you haven't found that yet, you're missing your purpose in life. Now, if you have family and you have children, you already know what your mission is. If you have grandchildren, you already know what your mission is. There's no use walking around going, I wonder what my mission in life is. It's the ones that are following you. They're your mission. They're your number one mission. If you're um, married to someone, that's your mission number one. So you don't have to go around wondering, what is my mission in life? Here's another distinction about the sovereignty of God. Nothing happens beyond what God allows. Nothing happens beyond what God allows. The Bible says in the book of Job, Behold, all he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. God told Satan, You can't take the life of Job. I limit your access to my Job. And God limits Satan's temptations of you and me. And that's why the Bible says that there's been no temptation that the Lord Jesus has not already gone through and will show you and me a what? There, there is no temptation known to man that the Lord Jesus has not already been through that he will not, that he will not show us a what? A way out. There is a way of escape. And lastly and beautifully, another distinction of the sovereignty of God is that God is working all things together for his purpose. Now the word for purpose in the Bible is the word good. When God created the heavens and the earth, he said it was what? Good. God created mankind and he said it is what? Very good. You've been listening. Very good. All right, that word good means Purpose. Purpose. And when God created you and me, he created us for his purposes. When we surrender to the sovereignty of God, God works out all these mystical, strange events in our life to bring good. God even takes the perils that we are in and works it together for his glory and his good. There's good to come in my pain. And that's the demands of his sovereignty. There's good to come in my pain. Your pain and your suffering is not just yours. God has entrusted you to carry it well. God has entrusted you to bring glory and honor to him in your adversity and your pain. Because listen to this very carefully. Your adversity and your pain is how you grow to be like Jesus. Jesus learned obedience through what? The Bible says Jesus learned obedience through what? Suffering. 
And you and I are learning to trust sovereign God in our pain. So here's the good news. I don't need to run away from my pain. I don't have to run away from my pain. God is working in that problem that I face. God is growing me in that problem that I face. No matter what it is, God is growing me in that problem that I'm facing. Of all the things I need to learn is I need to learn to grow up in Jesus Christ. That's my whole life goal. That's my whole life mission, to be more like Jesus. And everything I'm going through, Jesus has already been through. And when I will walk with him and trust him, He's taking care of everything else and he's working things together for his good and for his glory. Our mistake in understanding the sovereignty of God is that we want our good and our glory. But when Jesus is sovereign, it's not my, about my good and my glory. You understand that? When Jesus is sovereign, it's not about my, what's good for me and what I get glory for. I don't like what I've been through in the last three years and the suffering that I've undertaken. I don't like it. I don't have to like it. God doesn't like it either. But God has suffered with me through this time and I've learned more about God in the sufferings that I've encountered than when I was in charge of the church. Big rip. I was in charge of the church. Can you believe that, Bill? Can you believe I actually thought that? Lord, help me. My problem reveals his glory. If you want to understand that about that and read about it, it's in 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, in this you greatly rejoice. You want to get happy, you want to rejoice. In this greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold. What you're facing right now, behind the screen of what you're facing, on the other side of that smoke screen, that, anybody know what fog of war is? Anybody study that in school, military school? Fog of war. You ever heard of fog of war? You ever heard of that? Sun Tzu wrote a book called On War, and every military leader has to read it and study it. And in it, he says, in every battle you <coughs> that you go into, there's fog. Everything goes wrong. All your plans go out the window. And, and you've got to survive when the fog of your battle is heavy. And trust me, when you deal with adversity, you're going to have a period of fog where a lot of things don't make sense, and you can't see the future, and the things you planned for didn't work out, and you're about, you're about ready to say, well, I just give up, you know? Well, in the fog of your battle, God is at work to reveal himself. And you will learn more about him as you face this adversity than you will at any other time in your life. It's like the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus took 
the two disciples with him. And there was a fog, and then they saw the glorified Christ. If you want to see a bit of heaven on this side of glory, don't be afraid of the fog. Watch for the glory of God to be revealed. Lost a good friend this week to cancer. And I say good friend, <clears throat> when you introduce yourself to, um, to this guy, um, can't remember his name, Danny. When you introduce yourself to Danny, Danny said, my job is to irritate preachers. That's the first thing out of his mouth. You're like, well, I'm sure glad to meet you. And, um, and he did a good job. He fulfilled his mission in life. He, he was always talking. We lost Danny this week. We lost a good friend. But there were times uh, when I was with Danny, and we'd be in the little country church. My brother's his pastor, and on Wednesday night, there probably wouldn't be 10 people there, and they'd gather in a circle. And we're all, how you week going, chit-chat, and, you know, shallow talk. You know what I mean? Shallow talk. And in the door would walk Danny. And you could hear him from the time he walked in the door till he got to his seat. He'd say, I just want to praise the Lord today for, and he'd name ten things that he would praise the Lord for. It just brought light to the room. And he is sincere. He wasn't trying to be a show-off. He was sincere. He'd been with the Lord. He'd learned something new in the Bible. And he'd want to share it with you. And we're going to miss Danny so much. Well, I'll quit here. Our time is up. So I want to end the message by asking you the question we started out with. You remember what the question was? Who's in charge of your life? Now, for some of you, that means you need to make some adjustments in your life today. And one of those adjustments is to declare your faith in the Lord publicly. Some of you have done that in private, but you need to make that public today and come, and as you come forward, just be seated on this front pew. Some of you need to unite with this church from a sister church. Uh, this is your time to do that. Some of you have been coming to church for a long time, and you're just holding on to something that's keeping Jesus from being in charge of your life. Maybe it's a dream that you have for yourself that you don't want to give up. I know when I was in school, I had a dream of what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to, wanted to do that more than anything else in the world. And finally, God got me in such a place of unrest, I said, Lord, if you just tell me what you want me to do, I'll do it. That's when Jesus became sovereign Lord of my life in that plywood mill in 1971. I'll do what you want me to do. When you say that and you really mean it, Jesus is sovereign over your life. And you have just begun to live. Father, we thank you and praise you that you are in charge and we're not. Lord, forgive us when we're trying to be in charge, overfunction, try to do everything for everybody, save the world by ourselves. We find ourselves sleepless. We find ourselves miserable. We find ourselves in conflict with other people. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. And help us, Lord, to release control of our life and our world to you. It belongs to you. 
you're going to take care of COVID. You're going to take care of conflicts. You're going to take care of all the adversity that we're facing and the fog of battle, the fog of war, where life doesn't make sense sometimes. But it doesn't have to. Because you're not accountable to me. I'm accountable to you, Lord. So, I will trust you. I will watch for your glory to be revealed. I will believe when I can't see anymore. I will continue to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he was raised from the dead. And I will stay on the mission, Lord, that you call me to do. I will not quit. Bless us with that resolve, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.